1: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Taryn Finley, a senior culture reporter at HuffPost, and this is I Know That's Right, a weekly podcast about the latest in culture, entertainment, and trending conversations. Get ready, y'all, because we're going to a place where mainstream news and the wild west of internet culture collide. From the news that makes us say I Know That's Right to the mess that's dead wrong is expecting folks to work this close to the holidays. Come on, now. I'm breaking down the week that was, and we've got a lot to talk about. Then, as always, I'll be bringing in a guest for an in depth conversation. This week, I'm so excited. I'll be joined by Shanola Hampton. We're talking all things her newest drama on NBC, Found, and so much more. This is I Know That's Right. I Know That's Right. Woo, y'all. It has been a ride. This is the seventh episode and the final episode of the year. Oh, my God. Like, it's officially Let's Circle back in 2024 week. And listen, I know we just got here. I know that, you know, we just started this show and y'all have been rocking with me for seven weeks straight. Like, I appreciate y'all so much. But y'all know this, this year has been long as hell. And also crazy short at the same time. I think we all need a break, right? We all need a break. And we need to send 2023 off with one last headline rundown on the show. And as always, you know, we're kicking it off with and I Know That's Right. And this one right here is for Fantasia, Barino, and Danielle Brooks for how they absolutely bodied. I mean, they put their foots, their roles in the color purple as Miss Sealy and Miss Sophia, y'all. This one right here hit close to home because I've, I i don't know if I was just... I had an old soul as a child, so I always watched Colored Purple with my mom growing up and all of that. You know, this is a literary classic, a film classic, literally. Alice Walker gave us so much material, and with this film, they're building on it, so you know they had to bring it. It's directed by Blitz Bazawule. And The New Color Purple really takes elements from all three things, the book, the film, and the Broadway musical, and it really reimagines it. Generally, I enjoyed the film. I'm not going to lie. The pacing in comparison to the original film and just what I was used to, was it felt a little bit rushed to me. And I wanted a few scenes to have, a few really important scenes to have the room and space to breathe. But overall, I enjoyed it. The Crown Jewel. And what really sealed the deal for me, though, Fantasia and Danielle, my God, these two powerhouses make the film shine from their musical numbers to the realness that they bring with their characters. You just can't help but to really feel every time they're on screen. And I, I'm i not going to lie. Like I said, I've seen this movie umpteenth time, the original film Team Times. I didn't expect to cry. I knew people said it was a tearjerker. I mean, obviously, look at the material. But I ended up crying twice. And I'm not going to give spoilers at all. But both times were scenes that both Fantasia and Danielle were in. These women are absolute stars. And they've been stars. And it's so amazing to see Fantasia go from American Idol to this. It's so amazing to see Danielle Brooks... Go from Orange is New Black to, like, listen, for all you non-musical girlies out there, I promise, if you see this, you'll see how the music really pushes the story forward and just sounds really damn good. Fantasia and Danielle actually gave us a sample on the Today Show that really sent chills down my spine. Take a listen. As I stopped worrying, worrying how the story ends. I let go and I let God, let God have his way. That's when things start happening. When I stopped looking at back then. I let go and I let God, let God have his way. Oh wait, y'all can't can't do this does look if you don't go see this movie for any other reason go see it for Fantasia and Daniel Brooks it's out in theaters Christmas Day these two already have nominations coming in left and right but they really deserve to clean up during this award season because my god y'all did the damn thing okay you're doing amazing sweetie next story baby we gotta talk about something that I just didn't think was quite right this week. Let's go ahead and take it on over to Bravo Land. I'm looking specifically at the Ladies of Married to Medicine. A lot has been going on, but I'ma go ahead and focus in on how the cast has been treating Quad specifically this season. And, you know, quick disclaimer, I am new to Married to Medicine. This is something that I kept telling myself, like, okay, I know this show is good. I'm going to get into it. But child, Sagittarius brain, blaming on that. Finally have just went ahead and taken that dive in and gone back and watched early seasons. I'm still hammering through the first nine seasons. We're on season 10 now. Now the cast relationship with Quad has been rocky all season. And it feels like they're pushing her out. The last couple of episodes have been really about how these women are going to move forward with or without quad but it's looking like they're ready to leave her behind so the real issue comes down to the ladies feeling unsupported by quad but also quad feeling unsupported by the ladies and the difference is that quad wants to let bygones be bygones But the other ladies, before that happens, want Quad to hold herself accountable. That's understandable. But my question is, when are they going to hold themselves accountable here? The way Quad's name has been on everyone's lips this season is so telling, especially because she wasn't even in the first couple of episodes. It's so wild. It feels like everyone, even Dr. Heavenly, who she was, you know, closest to as far as the remaining cast, has turned on her and isn't, reaching for the olive branch that she's trying to extend. That was especially evident on the lady's trip from Atlanta to Cali to do a wine tasting for Toya's new brand. Now, Phaedra invites Quad, but Toya doesn't have a room for Quad, doesn't think Quad is going Nobody seems to want to accommodate her in any way when she arrives or even want her there. And they get into this argument over dinner and it spills into the most recent episode in which Quad is telling them verbatim, like, y'all hurt me. Y'all didn't show up for me. And she wants to move on again. But the ladies want Quad to acknowledge her wrongdoings and her absence in their lives and the things that she's done to hurt them. Apparently, they're saying that Quad is essentially absent outside of filming and that she doesn't keep in contact with the ladies or show up for them as friends. So the conflict after dinner ends with a private powwow, which excludes Quad, in which they finally tell Quad after making a decision on how they're going to handle Quad to come down, they're like, okay, girl, we know you about to get in the bath and debrief after this stressful-ass dinner where we argued, and I don't even know what they was eating, child. It it didn't look feeling or appetizing at all, but whatever. It, y'all had y'all wine pairings and everything. I digress. They had quad come down fix her hair, put her robe on, do all this shit. She came down just for them to disinvite her from the trip that they just got on. How does this make sense? How does this make sense? It's a unanimous decision. Quad obliges. Everybody is like, I guess, fine with it. No one's really standing up for Quad. When I tell you that Quad is better than me because baby, I wasn't going any damn where I had to travel across country and take damn PTO to be on to support your brand absolutely not y'all didn't show up for quad during her divorce y'all didn't show up for quad when she was saying that she was literally in a an abusive relationship a toxic relationship and y'all been treating her like an outsider and belittling her not even just this season but since season one we're 10 seasons deep now and it's not even just the ladies dr g her ex-husband I'm not even going to get on your funky ass because you couldn't wait to marry Sweet T and move her in Quad's home and keep that Bravo check coming. It's really fishy to me. I don't like it. I really don't like it. Sweet T, this is this is nothing against you, girl. But Dr. G, you are moving crazy. Okay. And apparently, Bravo producers didn't even tell Quad that her ex-husband was coming back to the show. She revealed that on the latest episode of Carlos King's podcast.
0: Did you ever receive a courtesy call that, hey, we're in, in talks with your ex-husband and his next to come back to the show?
1: No. Never. No one ever called me. Um, no one ever said, you know, what do you think about this idea? No one ever said, well, we're thinking about reaching out to them. No one ever said, you know, we know the turbulent marriage and how the things went you know but we still think that this is going to be a good idea for the show so we just want to give you a heads up we're probably going to look to bring your ex husband and his new love interest on the show um no not at all i had to learn it like on social media (gasps) like quad now quad isn't 100 percent in the right here Okay, because accountability is important, but she also isn't all the way wrong. And it's hard to not feel for her, especially when it seems like everyone on the show and maybe even some folks behind the scenes are trying hard to see her fall. Yes, Quad does need to take accountability. But why the hell doesn't anybody else? That's all I'm saying. Finally, it's been a long year, y'all. The year has been too long. But fortunately, my year hasn't been as long as the person who I'm about to talk about. The dare wrong of the week for the second week in a row has everything to do with the assault trial against Jonathan Majors. Now, Majors was found guilty on two of the four misdemeanor assault and harassment charges he was facing stemming from an incident that happened with his ex-girlfriend, grace jabari in march after monday's verdict marvel announced that they were dropping majors as kang in their upcoming projects he already played the character in two marvel projects previously yeah that is no longer Majors started out this year as an a-list actor who was booked and busy. I mean, we saw him in Creed three and he was slated to be in so many other things that were coming out this year, including magazine dreams and which has also been pulled. And I mean, you couldn't scroll down the timeline without seeing news that majors had scored another big gig. And now he's ending his year with criminal charges. It's, is I didn't have that on my bingo card at the beginning of this year And though the jury found him guilty of assault, they found him not guilty of intentionally harming his ex. At the same time, we heard the recordings of how he spoke to her. She testified that Majors had a pattern of controlling and emotionally abusive behavior. And judging from those comparisons to MLK and former President Barack Obama that he made to himself that I mentioned last week, he definitely was feeling himself a little too hard especially as his star was rising. And listen, I'm not going to repeat much of what I said in last week's episode, but I do think that it's worth reiterating that an inflated ego combined with a culture of abuse, be it physical, mental, whatever, it gives ample space for somebody to get hurt, whether it be intentional or not. And that's the problem. That really is the problem. This is not okay. And though this trial is over, we don't know what could happen with the other allegations against him from previous partners, folks on set, and folks he went to college with that go back a whole decade. Patterns of abuse are very real, y'all, and something that we really have to pay attention to and that we just cannot talk about lightly. I've been seeing a lot of people rush to defend majors and and rush to say what he has doesn't deserve or what he hasn't done at the same time have you actually listened to those recordings have you even read about previous allegations have you like really taken time out to think about how serious it is for someone to make an allegation and what that takes it's just food for thought y'all it's just food for thought we we can't continue this culture where the way we talk about abuse is is light or flip towards accusers. We just we just can't. But as far as majors, as far as what his sentencing will be and if anything else will come down from this or the other allegations that we've that we've heard about, I guess we will have to just wait and see about that one. Whew. That's the headlines for this week. I want to know what y'all have to say about these stories. Of course, as always, so hit me up on socials at underscore tearing it up, and y'all, let's keep this conversation going because it's important. Okay, look, I'm I'm not over here just talking for my health, y'all. I'm talking for us. Okay. let me chill out y'all know it's the end of the year okay i'm starting to act a little silly but next up i'll be bringing in Shanola hampton to discuss found the new thrilling drama on nbc that she stars in and produces make sure you stay tuned more i know that's right is coming up welcome back to i know that's right y'all so y'all Prepare yourselves, gather your edges. I have a very special guest today joining me. You may know her as Veronica, the unabashed neighbor from Shameless or in her newest role as Gabby Mosley on NBC's newest thrilling drama Found, which follows her character as she searches for the missing who often go forgotten. Her show has been renewed for a second season. And she's here with me today to discuss it and do a little deep dive on her journey to HBIC. It's Shanola Hampton, y'all. Hey, Shanola, how you? (laughs) How you doing?
2: Amazing. How are you, my girl?
1: I'm good. I'm loving the holiday spirit over there. Got the okay. Got the got the multiple Christmas trees. The the Mr. Rogers sweater. It is given very Mr. Rogers, very much like, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the
2: neighborhood. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to do. I came down, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood.
1: Yes. (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on my show, especially because you have such a presence on screen and off screen that really just can't be denied. But Mm -hmm. you shine, but you also help others around you shine brighter. And that's just so... Evident when we see you on screen. It's evident with the cast interviews that I've seen you done. And it's evident with your new show, found. The fact that you've put in so much time and work and intention and just like overall good energy. You didn't have to audition for this. And it just came from a conversation that you were having. Can you can you talk a little bit about that and what drew you to found, not only as a star, but also as a producer?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really was, N.K. and I actually met, I've told the story, but I didn't meet her, and this is a story in everybody, no matter what profession you're in, in, and sort of taking opportunities, and you think it's going to be one thing, you have one thing in your mind, but it can lead to something completely different, so being open to whatever universe, God, whatever you believe in, has for you. So I met N.K. to actually direct on our show. I had started directing on Shameless. And I loved it Um, really all more than acting, if not equal to sometimes a little more. And I really was just trying to hustle as a director and get more directing gigs. So uh, Kelly Williams, on my show, who did the wonderful transition from being an actor to a director, said, you really need to meet N.K. I think you'd be so great for All-American and Homecoming or something direct. Met with N.K. I'm pitching myself as a director. What I didn't know then, but what I know now is, while we were in the meeting, she was texting Greg Berlanti or whomever her producers was and said, I think I found my Gabby Mosley. So I didn't know that. So at the end of the meeting, she says to me, she says, Oh, good, good, good. Great, great, great. Directing, directing. And then she says, but are you still acting? And I was like, yeah, I have a whole house to pay for uh (laughs) it. So she said, I have the script. She told me the concept and what was crazy about it. I really wanted to do something with purpose. I didn't know what that was. I wanted to use my platform to tell purposeful stories. And I didn't know it was going to be this relevant and this kind of purpose. And she told me the concept and it was so in line with what I wanted to do next after Shameless and I read the script and I was like okay she's the baddie okay we're doing stuff this is about something this is good oh she's gonna be contoured oh her heels are gonna be fly she's saving lives she's telling these stories oh she got a man in the whole basement
1: listen <laughs>
2: and I said well this is a role that I have to play and I wanted to put my stamp on as a producer, not just to be hyphenated, but one of the things that I promised myself when I left Shameless is that I wasn't going to have a career where I was just an actor for hire. I wanted to really be able to have a say in certain things, not overstep, because you don't need to show that you're a boss if you're actually a boss, right? So, but to make sure that I had a say in the process and I know what I bring to the set and how I'm able to manage and work with people so I knew I would be an asset and not a distraction in that way as I go forward in my career and 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 of course having partners like Great Berlanti and NK it's the easiest gig ever
1: yeah that's so amazing I love how your vision really aligned up with how prepared and how thorough your resume has been I mean yeah a lot of us were introduced to you on Shameless but you're not new you weren't new to this you were very much like true to this and putting in those hours i want to get into that a little bit later but first i gotta get into miss gabby mosley okay okay let's go Because she's out here, she's an advocate for those who go missing, especially those who are marginalized and are often falling through the cracks who police and media don't give that special attention and resources to. But she was also missing herself as a child. And we see the many twists and turns. And she has a whole man, her whole abductor captive in the basement. Whew! It's a lot. It's it's really a lot. Who is Gabby to you? And what did you do to prepare for this role and really take on the energy of Gabby Mosley?
2: For me, Gabby is this beautifully broken person
1: Mm.
2: who is on a mission and an example of how your past can dictate the present and your future in many ways, the foundations that are set. She is so strong, yet still so childlike. And um, she's so fierce, but also afraid. She's this very complex layered human being that I think hasn't been seen on television before because you expect your heroes to just be this heroic thing that doesn't really exist in life. We're human beings and we're complex.
1: And that complexity in watching found like first off i was a little privileged because i was able to binge it you know i mean i'm still we still keeping up week to week but it's really interesting to see because like you said i've never seen a character like her we've seen a lot of characters who have that um that duality in in those different dimensions but she really plays with this idea of heroism that we haven't seen but also like teethers this line of being a villain in her own way of fighting her own demons I mean like you can't be healed and you can't not have a internal battle that you're fighting when you have a man literally locked up in your basement that twist a lot of people have been getting caught up Believing that her and Sir, for those uh, listening who may not be following Sir, is her former kidnapper, who she has now held captive. Sir and her have this dynamic that a lot of people are mistaking for a romantic relationship. And it's really not that. And you said before that it really can't be defined. Why is that important? Why is seeing that dynamic um, different than what we've seen before? On TV, and how how is that relationship that, uh, creating this dynamic with uh, Mark Paul Gosler, who plays Sir?
2: Well, one of the things, and as a TV fanatic, I, I I really had to think back. I mean, we've seen there's so many layers to found, and we've seen different versions of. There are comparisons that can be made for different pieces of what found is, but nothing that has it all together, right? So I think the human mind, because I've actually, because at first when I was getting, I'm not on the Twitter or the XY or whatever it is, but people (laughs) will send me screenshots of what everyone is saying. I was like, why are these people so sick? Do they not realize this man kidnapped her? And then I realized in the mind of a human being, very rarely do you see chemistry between a male and a female that's not leading towards some sort of romantic sexual relationship. It's sort of how we've been conditioned to see it, right? Oh, um, everyone, humanity has been conditioned to say, if there is an electricity between two people, it must be romantic. So to then have to watch this thing that is so entertaining and it's darn entertaining, this cat and the mouse, the push and the pull, who is manipulating who, all of that happening. And at the beginning, it is a mislead in many ways. It wasn't intentional, I'll tell you, because one of the choices that I made with Gabby Mosley was before I go in to see Sir, is I fix the clothing or my earring or the hair. Automatically, the human mind says she's doing that to look pretty for a man. That's automatically what people think. But that's not what it was. If The more you learned about, Gab- about Gabby, the more you realize that Sir has trained Gabby to be this perfect being. And subconsciously, even when you fight against, I don't want to be anything like my mother. I don't want to be anything. Even when you fight against that, that stuff is in you subconsciously. So when Gabby is fixing herself and making sure that she's pregnant, it's just something that is, she doesn't think about it. It's something that she's really been taught to do, but not because she wants to look good for him. It's just one of the things that has happened as a result of what she's been through. So one of the things that I'm most proud of is that it's this undefined, why is he so obsessed with her? And I think now people are understanding, wait, he doesn't want to go to bed with her, but he says, tell me that you love me.
1: I got chills. And Let's the way see. he said it
2: wasn't, think about the way and think about the greatness that is Mark Paul to be able to deliver it in a way, because that could have easily gone the other, tell me that you love me. You know what I mean? That, But that's not what it was. It was way creepier than that. It was way more undefined, that that love. And the reaction of Gabby having to go from, hell no, I hate you, to then having to think of, is there something that would be defined as love, but not in the actual sense of what we all see love? There's so many layers to that. And then having to second guess herself and feel that emotion. And so that whole moment of Her grappling and him saying it is probably, to me, one of the most dynamic moments on television because it goes back to what the hell is this relationship?
1: Seriously, seriously, this is a show that, you know, some, some shows we, you know, have on is like background and we can multitask. I can't multitask when I watch this because it's just too much happening. It's so grip, it's so gripping and it's gripping in a way where it can literally hit you and the shit that you're dealing with. What I thought was interesting, um, Gabby was talking to, um, Lacey and Lacey was asking her. What's in the basement? And Gabby didn't lie when when she said that it's the darkness that helps me be able to solve these these crimes and find these these people. But in a way you know of course she swerved the question but like that just beckoned that that reminded me of the fact that you explained that you're an empath, just, just you as a person yes. and how the, the darkness that this show goes to and that scene in particular, I think that that feels very much like a metaphor for human experience. Can you talk about how you use your empathy in this kind of like this fine line that you walk in making in using your empathy as a tool to move your roles and your acting forward while also being able to like shut it off when you step off of the set and have to go home and, you know, be a a mother, a sister, a friend, a, a woman, caregiver to yourself, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things is when I'm on screen, I want it to be as honest, I am representing people in the struggle. Maybe not a man in the basement, but some sort of struggle of healing specifically for Gabby Mosley. In other projects, it was other things. In Shameless, it was representing people who don't have a lot, but they have a lot of love and showing that in an honest way. So each project is really about the representation in the honest depiction of people um, that are going through something. So it is my job, I feel, to bring that genuine quality to each role. But when that camera stops rolling, it is my job to be a wife and to be a mom and to enjoy the happy life that I have. That's a very specific thing because I cannot watch the news, as we discussed um, before, because I take people's pain from my. It's been ever since I was a little girl. I could, and, and even now, Um, I know how to use it a lot better, but if you and I were together, I could feel your pain right away. And I would say, what's wrong? My, my, my crew will tell you that I do it crazily. And they're like, what do you mean? Everything's fine. I was like, everything's not fine. What's wrong. And then, you know, the break and then the, whatever the conflict is, because I can feel those energies. So I can't consume myself with that. Gabby of it all because it would mess up my life in a big way so only thing I can say to answer that question is when I'm Gabby Mosley and they say action I'm Gabby Mosley and I'm feeling what Gabby I'm feeling the conflict I'm feeling the unhinged I'm feeling the desire to want to do good but still not being healed and and seeing and being excited for the healing that she's bringing to Mosley and associates, the people that work there, but CoB feeling so trapped by what she's done. And so I thought the writers did such a beautiful job of when Gabby does say that to Lacey, because it's, as my daughter said, mommy, that was just a half true. So it was a half true, but it was still so real of I'm in the basement and it's where I go. It's where her darkness is and her darkness is so.
1: That's such a gift that you have. It's such a huge deal that a show like this is even on network television. It's, it's such a huge deal that you as a gorgeous dark skinned woman with locks and style and just like, you know, the, the most chiseled jawline and, and, and just amazing. Come on, Contour. All, literally, all of it to, to be that, but also to have the subject matter that this show explores is just, it's not a small feat with such a diverse group of actors, again, on network television, your producer. Can you talk about the weight uh, that that holds for you and how significant that is in the grand scheme of things for where we are on TV right now? Because Left and Right, we look and there are so many shows with amazing Black leads being canceled right now?
2: Let me just say this. It is all about, for me, it's God, but aligning yourself with the people that see the vision about where you want to go. Manifest, manifest. I say it all the time, manifesting things. Leaving Shameless, I knew I left a huge opportunity because the show was so successful. My character was successful. So that meant in this business, the business part of it, that I could take meetings with anyone. That's the blessing, that after a lot of tears, after a lot of no, after all the things, I was able to be on a show for 11 years that was successful. And when it was ending, I could get into the rooms. But it's about being in the room with the people that you speak to and you feel, again, my empath the energy from. The one of the meetings out of the several I had was with NBC. And it was a group of all women and we were talking about what I wanted to do. And I could see the energy it with this, within this meeting. And they weren't like nitpicking at each other. It was all just like creative boss women. And I said what I wanted to do next. And they were like, yes. And I wanted, you know what I mean? And, and where the where role they could play. So I signed an overall deal. Basically, before I even got out of the marriage, I was in bed with somebody else. It really was before I even finished shaming. Because I knew that they were on my my tribe in this business and who I would be able to do. So I say that to say, if anybody was going to take the risk, I didn't know it would be this risky. um, In a show like this, it would be NBC. It was NBC. And I knew it from the beginning, way before Found came in, but it was the group of people and where they wanted the network to go. So I applaud them so much. It took NK seven years to get the show done. Seven years. So we know that these topics are not new in underserved communities. We've been talking about it forever. But for people to actually, let's say expose, let's not say expose, maybe that feels a little too harsh, to have it be a conversation is something, an uncomfortable conversation where people always feel like they need to choose one side or the other. There's no just humanity and we all can unite that this is just not right. NBC took that risk. And it's not a stream. Broadcast TV, show. And then you have me. So you asked about the weight. And this is how I can describe it. And I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Because, you know, we have a report. When the posters and the billboards and the buses came up, it's one of those shocking moments where you see your face. But then I realized it's my face. So the weight of all of that felt. Like if this show does not do well, like it would literally be me, me, my face hitting the ground. It was all my face. And I felt such a responsibility to NK for seven years of hard work. I felt such a responsibility for telling these stories. And I felt a huge responsibility for NBC believing in our partnership enough to do this kind of show. Um, so the night that it was premiering, it was so much coming at me. I could feel the tingles in my skin because I felt responsible that this has to go not for me personally, but for all of these other factors, because we want to tell these stories because I want this to be on the lips because I want everybody to accept what we're trying to give and not think that it is a knock on somebody else that we're just trying to tell these stories so that we all could be on one accord and say that this is something that's just not right. Let's all try to change it together. I wanted it to be received in the way that we were trying to give it. And at the end of the day, it was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. Waiting for the first numbers to come in was a lot of pressure for me. Waiting for a season to pick up was a little less pressure because I got to see the response of the audience and how they were receiving it in the manner that we wanted it to be received.
1: People love it. Like my group chat has been buzzing over it, you know, timeline every Tuesday. It's, it's amazing. Congratulations on that. And, you know, like I think about, because especially you carry yourself with so much poise and you're able, like just so much, levity so the fact that you you know that you did feel that pressure and those goosebumps on premiere night you know I think about also what was going on that uh, you know during the premiere and it was still an actor strike so you weren't even able to kind of like celebrate outwardly until afterwards that's right you know nine
2: episodes in eight or nine episodes
1: in yeah 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 just literally a few weeks ago literally a few weeks ago I'd be remiss not to ask you know your your strike experience especially with you know with found being you know right there not even in your back pocket like right there like in the front you know I mean it, it it had some ordained timing in a sense especially you know I spoke to some of the Things getting canceled and, you know, there feels like there's a TV drought right now. But yeah, talk about that experience, you know, dealing with dealing with the strike and and while also trying to celebrate this in a way.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to also say about the pressure, It, it is a pressure when you're a person of color, because if you don't do well, then the opportunity for other people of color to come in and lead a role, they say people don't want to see those shows I take that very seriously of of pavement and paving the way so that other people can come up because it can and can't just be about you. And I, and we have great stories to tell and great actors to tell those stories. And, 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 uh, so to see it be a success means that somebody else is going to get an opportunity. That's number one, number two, the strike. So the strike was tough. Not because I felt like, oh my gosh, this is my show. And I really, really, really need everybody to know that I have a show. It was more of, it had been 18 months at that point that we've been working on this show. And I wanted for everybody that had put in this work, and because we believed in the show so much, we loved the subject matter and thought and knew, felt that we had such a good show. You want to scream what you really believe from the, from the mountaintops. So not be able to do that was really hard. It was, it. you know what? It, quite frankly, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. And, and I knew that that part of the success of shows happens because actors are out promoting it. So then again, there's that pressure again of, okay, we can't. But NBC, Warner Brothers, they did the, boy, they did the dang thing of making sure people knew this show was coming and that you should watch. And exposing the twist, even in the trailer, people weren't really supposed to know about the twist until they watched the pilot episode that was never going. But because you have brilliant minds who do research and say, wait, this is going to be a draw to show that and to think like that was so great. I I can't say enough about where I work and with whom I work because they are just so great and so smart.
1: Without giving away too much of the finale, what topics do you hope that season two explores with maybe a little tease? The finale is tough.
2: The finale is tough, but it's satisfying, but also leaves you like, oh, boom, bound. And then you have to wait until fall, right? Next year. I don't know how they're going to recover. So I am interested to see what the writers do. Because I... I honestly don't know. I don't know how they bounce back from what that finale is. I know that they will because NK always has a vision. She has a vision for like the entirety, you know, 20 seasons of the show. But I don't know what that recovery looks like. So I'm anxious. What I know is going to be fun for uh that we are we have 22 episodes I know what's going to be fun for the audience is that we get to dive into the stories of everybody at MA and to find out where they came from and why they are there and what their backs you know I, we get to really get into the meat of it because we have time to do that and what a gift that the audience and these characters get to grow together so what I hope for is that exploration and I know that sounds cheesy but I hope that As Mosley and Associates, Gabby included, go through their healing process of the trauma that those who are also going through their healing process in life, we can kind of live these moments together. And and yes, it's entertainment, but also reflection so that we all grow. And by the end of season eight, nine, 10, or whatever it is, we could be like, I still got work to do, but man, do I feel better and more healed than where I was seven years ago.
1: Yeah, no, that's real. Like, not to you know, not to use a metaphor to like you know compare situations, but like, it feels like everyone has an opportunity in this show to be found. You yes. know, even if they weren't, you know, like literally missing. You know, yes. So I, I, I think, yes. I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's, that's good. Such a I'm thing. using that. Girl, go ahead. Let me. That tell, was let very tell. good. Yeah, I'm full, I'm full of them. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. I do wanna. I do wanna take it back though. I wanna take it back to Shameless, but also not only just Shameless, but your road to Shameless because you were double dipping during the audition piece. You were working on Miami Medical while also trying to land this as a job. Tell me about life before Shameless because you've been on record saying that this is a show that has changed your life. Absolutely, John
2: Wells will forever. Whoa, we'll forever get all the flowers. And John Levy, who was the cast and director there, and all the folks there, I was it, it still is a great family of mine. Um, so the road to shameless. it all started with the singing bartender who would change in the car to go to auditions and then go back in bartending? She would open the bar in the morning, change to go do an audition, change back into her BJ's gear. And it all was like that for many, many, many years. But truthfully, what happened is I was getting recurrings and guest spots. There was another strike that happened um, when I had gotten a really good recurring that I thought was gonna change my life and I quit my job. Then a strike happened. This and was I back in 07. That's exactly right. Wow. And I realized then I will never quit my job again until I know, no, 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 which takes me to the pilot of Shameless, which what happened was I was shooting Miami Medical on the same lot, the Warner Brothers lot, still my family over there. Warner Brothers, Lord, it's been a long time with them. And the audition for Shameless just happened to be on the same lot. And if you live in L.A. or know anything about L.A., you can't get anywhere. You can't get anywhere in an hour. So it's but for God's grace, it being on the same line, I would not have been able to go to that audition period. I already had a job. They were not going to let me out. So on the golf cart, I would change into Veronica. You know, Veronica did a little boom right. out <laughs> of my scrubs and go audition. John Levy would get me in re- right away. Cause he knew I was working on the other show. I did that multiple times. Shameless audition was seven, seven auditions, which usually you do about three, four, maybe seven auditions. That's why I'll never audition again. I already been there. I know how to, audition. I
1: know that's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you need to offer me, know no my body at work and don't like me, but anyway, no, I'm, this, but um, so anyway, and, and, and then I got it and it changed my life. And I'll tell you this, I bartended my booty off during the entirety of the pilot. When we found out we got picked up, I still bartended till they got me in the first frame of the first season. And I said it's too expensive to replace me. I will now retire from bartending.
1: Yes. I love that. I love that so much. Veronica was such a very different character than Gabby on found, but I'm wondering were there any, was there anything that you took from Veronica coming into your experience uh with Gabby on Found. I mean, they're so different, but you know, you just never know.
2: That's a good question. I don't think I took anything from Veronica, but I will say that there is a some similarity in the loyalty of both characters. Veronica was fiercely loyal to her friends and family. And Gabby Mosley is fiercely loyal to everyone on M MNA- at MA and all the forgotten missing folks. So that loyalty is kind of a through line with both characters, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, I love that so much. Do you have any more directorial plans on the horizon for yourself? What's on your vision board for for 2024?
2: 2024, I'll be directing on Found which is going to be great. Um, it's also going to be interesting because I directed myself in Shameless. Shameless was more of an ensemble, even though my episode, they decided to write all the things for Veronica, including her wedding to Kev and all sorts of things. So it was very busy. It will be interesting to see what episode it is and how to juggle really being number one and the director. Um, generally, they should, will probably dilute Gabby's role in that episode but sometimes it doesn't happen so that'll be an interesting challenge that I am completely up for I cannot wait to open up my scriptation and start putting characters places directing is such a passion and and, and something that lights a fire unlike anything else it really yeah. is
1: yeah I love that I can't wait to see that episode I can't wait to see more of found and just more of work and just more of you Everywhere Shanola. Thank you so much for joining me on I Know That's Right. But before we get out of here, can you tell us what is getting you through the week?
2: Um, uh, oh, what is getting me through the week? Cupcakes.
1: I love that. It's it look, tis the season. Tis the season. What flavor?
2: Um, I like chocolate on chocolate.
1: Come on. That's come my on.
2: favorite. It's chocolate on chocolate. I really love it. And also just thinking about um We're going on vacation. We're going, 21 of us are going to Japan on Sunday. And so this week, what's getting me through is that we're all about to be on vacation together, my entire family. I'm super excited about that.
1: I love that so much. Safe travels. Thank you once again for joining me. It's always love. I really appreciate you, Chanel. Listen, you
2: know I had to join you. You know that's right.
1: Okay. I know that's right. (laughs) You're the best. Look, no, you. No, you. No, you don't. But it's you. (laughs) That's
2: right. I know that's right.
1: (laughs) Look, that's the theme song. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you, my love. Woo, y'all. That is the last show of 2023. Oh my God. I can't believe we did it. We made it. We here. We survived. Okay, 2023, you tried to take us out, but we can't go out like that because we here. Okay, <laughs> I want to thank y'all so much for listening to the show for supporting this, whether you listen to one episode this year, or all seven or half an episode, or what like, Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sharing. Make sure you rate. Make sure you review, comment, all that. Hit me up on socials. I want to know what y'all want to see, what y'all want to hear in the new year. Of course, underscore tearing it up on IG and on that formerly known as the bird app app that I'm, I'm not referring to it by whatever name it is right now. I really appreciate y'all so much for listening. Thank you for all the guests that have been here to stop by to chat with me. Thank you to today's guest, Shanola Hampton for joining me this week. And of course, as always, this show is produced by ACAS and recorded right here in Brooklyn. Have an amazing holiday season to you and yours. Happy New Year. I'll see y'all in 2024. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and have Patty LaBelle sing a song out of here, y'all. Bye. Hi.